Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I brought my coffee up here today because we get to have a conversation. And um, this is not, you know, our normal format for Sunday. It is a uniquely special format. And I'm really excited about it. First service was crazy good. Uh, We got so much out of it. A lot of people got challenged. Some people got offended. But either way, it was a success. All right. So uh, here's what we're doing today. We are going to be finalizing our sermon series on connections. Everybody say connections. That's, that's what makes the world spin, connections, relationships, right? And so the first week we talked about uh, doing connection healthily with Father God, which how many of you guys know if you don't have that one right, the rest of them may just, they're not going to work out, right? Uh, that's the first one. The next one we talked about connections uh, with the body of Christ. Is that right? Is that what we did, Allison? Church family. Uh, and the next one parents y'all having to remind me um i learned a lot i took notes the one that my wife shared i didn't get a lot out of because i was enamored (laughs) staring at her because we're connected we're connected and um and so we wanted to finalize our connections sermon series today with a conversation with our beloved seth and michelle Faber. now I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to really honor them, but I just want to introduce uh, uh, them to you properly. If you don't know who they are, you probably you probably know Michelle because you pass your kids to her uh, when you check them in uh, down there. Uh, Seth and Michelle are a part of the leadership team here at Legacy Nashville, and Seth serves as one of our elders. He is a part of our part of our board of elders here at Legacy Nashville. And then Michelle serves as our family life director. She is more than a kid's pastor, y'all. She oversees so much here and does so much uh, both on and off of the books uh, to minister to our family. Not only does she oversee kids, but she also oversees our grow groups. Uh, For those of you guys who are in a grow group, I'm sure you'd say it's already so good, transformative, amazing. Uh, amongst doing so many other things. So I just want to invite them as well as my beautiful bride, uh, Allison, Pastor Allison. And could you guys give them a big hand as they come today? This is going to be so much fun. Just out of curiosity, because we are talking about romantic relationships, if if you are married in here, would you guys lift your hands? Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. It's a lot and, and not a lot at the same time, you know. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, how many of you guys are engaged? Wow. Let's go. Amazing. How many of you guys are dating and want to put a little pressure on your boyfriend to <laughs> ask you to mar- take his hand? No, I'm just kidding. No, how many of you guys are dating in here? How many of you guys did not want to admit that you were dating, but you're dating because you're like already feeling conviction? I, I don't know. I mean, um, how many of you guys are single in here? Woo! 
Man, holding it down. Let's go. Well, here's the good news is that God is good through every season of your life. Uh, Because you are single does not make you a second class citizen. If you've been divorced, you're not a second class citizen in the kingdom of Jesus. Somebody needs to say amen. Amen. Right. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about uh, different connections by asking uh, Seth and Michelle some questions and they're going to respond and We've talked a little bit about this in advance. So I think you guys, you guys are going to get a lot out of this. But listen, if we do happen to offend you, good. All right? Like, take it to the Lord. All right? Take it to Jesus. Amen? So we on the same page? Are we together? Are we in unity? Are we in love? Hope so. Amen. We're in love. <laughs> yes, we are. We got another baby on the way, y'all. Yes, we're in love. I didn't just eat a lot of burritos. Maybe I did eat a lot of burritos. Can't tell. I love you. I love you too. Kick us off here, sweetheart. Well, I'm excited about us closing. We, when we put together the whole series on connections, uh, we were so strategic about every connection that we wanted to talk about in this whole uh, series. And the, the last kind of connection we wanted to talk about was romantic connections. Um, we recognize... We we went in order for a reason because this, you know, builds upon so many other connections in our life. And with Seth and Michelle, one of the things that I truly adore and deeply respect about Seth and Michelle is if you hang out with them for five minutes, you know how much they enjoy one another and how truly... Uh, (laughs) but there's this deep level of respect and honor for what each other carries and what each other brings to the table when uh the first time we sat down with Seth and Michelle together must have been a little over a year ago and uh we were in this room and within the first couple of minutes the way Michelle relates to Seth I was like that's holy you know like there's just something about how she loves submits her life and really is in connection with Seth and vice versa so we all know that you guys are probably climbing into their living room on their couch some of you already have some of you stay late down in Legacy Kids some of you serve on Legacy Kids because of Seth and Michelle because of what they really pour into your life right you're like, oh, I just, I need what you carry. And so this morning, we're kind of going to extract all the gold out of them uh, and go on just their journey a little bit and what that has looked like over the last 10 years, really, right? You guys been together 11? Married for 11. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Years of their life. And so I'm, I'm really excited. So the first question that I have for you guys this afternoon, officially, is what's your story? How'd you guys meet? I'll take that. I've earned the right after all these years. I tell it better. So, so um, okay. So I was part of a, a little church in San Antonio, Texas, and I was in college, um, total hippie artist and just a mess. But um, I was greeting. I was serving in my church. Um, I just thought it was important to serve in the church. No, hand hand. Um, and uh, so I was greeting that day. And, uh, you know, saying hi to everybody, passing out the bulletins, and up walks this gorgeous, I mean, out of nowhere, gorgeous woman. And uh, let me tell you, I was part of a small church. About how many people are in this room right now, that's how many people were in our church. And most of us were in our college age, okay? So someone new was like, whoa, 
And then to be as gorgeous as she was, I mean, I literally saw a glow. There was this physical glow that was going on there. And it wasn't just my hair. <laughs> I was like, who's standing behind her with that extra hair? <laughs> Y'all, we go through so many vacuum cleaners. So, so I, I was really attracted to her right away. And um, so we sat in the front, I sat in the front row and I got lucky. She sat right behind me. And when the pastor said, it's time to say hi to your neighbor, I was like, all about that. Y'all, he, he did like a, Pastor Nunez didn't even finish the greeter. Seth Faraber went. And like made eye contact with me and like overreached. And I was like, okay, because y'all, I'm not going to lie. I had noticed him. He was doing like his prophetic art thing up there and I was worshiping, but I saw, I saw him. Okay, That's worship if you're praising God for what he's created, okay? And I was praising God for what he created in this man. So anyway, he was painting and doing some awesome prophetic thing. And I did, but he was like the complete antithesis of who I was dressed to be. Like I was on a mission. I was doing PhD track. I was taking care of business. I'd moved home to do graduate school, not to get married. Um, and so all this sort of stuff, I had my pencil skirt and my heels and my button up shirt. And I was just like, okay, he's cute. But also because all this hair was way curlier and Afro-y. And then he had a bandana and a shirt that was covered in paint that was a little too small and his pants were big and they were holy. And I was like, okay, we obviously don't match, but he's really hot. So. <laughs> Needless to say, that meet your neighbor went really well. Yeah, now, I mean, from then to when we started dating was actually quite a while. Um, we just got to know each other. I was in a not so great relationship at the time, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the thing was I had to tie up some loose ends with that relationship and get my life right with God and figure things out with my other relationships, my parents and things like that. And uh, all that had to come before I was ready to even think about the idea of dating Michelle and really just got to know her as a friend and support, you know, her brother um, is a great guy. He's an artist as well. So he and I started to get a little bit closer and um, it was really cool. We just developed a friendship and kind of went from there. You, you drop some major keys, bro. Like, number one, if you want to meet your spouse, serve on the greeting team at church. Major key number one. Number two, I think, is if you're pursuing somebody, become friends with their sibling. So then that way their sibling can be like, he is really awesome. She is really great. You guys got to link up. Um, no, just on the topic of pursuit, Seth, like... Uh, you can speak from your own experience, but also, you know, impart some wisdom here. How should a man pursue a woman? How I did it. <laughs> I didn't do it right. I didn't do it right at first, to be honest. Um, I was very timid because I'd come out of a bad relationship, right? And so I wanted to drop as many hints as possible. And uh, like the time that I bought roses for every single girl in our young adult group, with a note attached. I just wrote something special in her note. Maybe she'd get the hint. No, not at all. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Every but, um, girl 
girl in that life group before I knew who Seth was told me if they were 25 or older, they said, there's this guy named Seth, and I just really believe the Lord that has sent him here, and I'm just going to pursue. And so before I knew, I dropped my notes, look, before I knew who he was, I was like, I need to talk to someone and get this man checked because he's, he's leading on. Like, I had all my judgments, and I was right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But then he got it right. But yeah, I mean, how yeah. a man should pursue a woman. Yes. So uh, I, would, I would go to work. I was working at the time, part-time at a, uh, at a church, uh, Oak Hills Church in San Antonio. It's a Max Lucado's church, if you know the author. And I was working in the kitchen there. There was this old lady that worked there. She was in charge of the kitchen. It was just me and her whenever we'd work all day long. And I'd just talk about Michelle to her constantly. I was like, oh, this is a great time. We're hanging out. And she finally just looked at me one time like this, and she goes, if she's as good as you say, you better snatch her up before someone else does. And that really, I mean, that kicked it into gear for me. I was like, she's right. Like, she's right. And so then began my pursuit. And honestly, pursuit for me meant staying in contact with God. It was important for me that I was doing the right thing, first of all. Um, and it also meant investing in the relationships around me that could support me as I pursued her. So I started talk, like talking to my mom and dad more. I didn't leave my house on good terms with my mom and my dad. They were divorced, you know, so, um, and my dad and I didn't talk very often, but I spent a lot of time calling my dad, calling my mom, trying to sow into those relationships because I know that you need a solid foundation if you're going to have a relationship. I didn't know I wanted to marry her or anything, but I just knew I wanted to get things right. You know, I know we've been to the chiropractor, right? If you have one little vertebrae that's a little bit out of whack, your whole body's messed up. Yeah. You have to get things right with your relationships. Yeah, yeah. So good, man. It's amazing. Uh, did you, instead of dropping hints, did you become, like, incredibly direct with her? Like, what was the, like, that, that lady dropped some wisdom, obviously, and was like, you got to, you know, be, be about this if you're going to get this girl. Like, what happened? Did you, how'd you change your approach? Yeah, so I, uh, after our, life group one night, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask her out on a date. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask her out on a date. Simple as that. So, uh, so it was after the group and we had a new person there. You know, he was a great guy, Matt, still remember him. And I was chatting up, chatting him up at the door uh, after group and everything. And Michelle gets up to walk out. She's walking out and I'm talking to the new guy. I'm like, but I got to go. And I just like, <laughs> he forgave me later. Super rude. But I chased her out to the car and I said, hey, listen, Michelle. I said, hey, look, I really like you and I want to spend some time with you. Would you like to go on a date this Friday? What'd you say, Michelle? <laughs> of all the words that I think I could have to make a moment profound, I just turned around and I was like, I like you too, yes. That's all I said, and I got in the car, and I drove off. <laughs> I think being direct, yeah. like the theme yeah. of this relationship yeah. is like be clear, yes. be direct, yes. be honest. Yeah. Don't play games. Yeah. Yeah. M Michelle, real quick, is, is it ever acceptable for a woman to pursue a man? Oh, it's dead silent in here right now. This is Here's great. Here's why. Because I feel like that, that hits on a bit of a, of a cultural shift for us. And I think sometimes what might happen is we hear that question different. We hear, does a woman have a right 
to ask out a man, that's not the question. Yes, a woman has a right. A woman has a right under God to do a lot of things. That's not, your personhood is not in question here. What it brings up, it brings up something the Lord put in the Bible that's not just a suggestion. He says, oh, daughter, Song of Songs. He's my living concordance. Thank you. Song of Songs. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until it's time. And that's not a suggestion. Like there's fruit and not fruit to when that happens. It's not about you not being as good or as strong as a man and you don't have the same. It's not that. It's like if you're really pursuing what you want in a husband, like think about it. If you're the one that starts pursuing him out of alignment with the Lord, you're going to be pursuing him for the rest of your life and he's free to pursue whatever he wants because you're chasing him. And it's just like in, in that same vein, you know, we've talked about this. Is there an exception? Absolutely. The Bible is full of exceptions. There's Esther, there's Deborah, there's all of these like, except this woman, except this one man. But if you're that exception, you better know that you know that you know. And here's how you can know that you know that you know. Go back to the Bible and read those stories. They were in communion with the Lord. They were under leadership. They were contacting people that were so close to them. They were talking through it with people so that they were in check, so that women can can know that they know, like, And so that's for even today. If you know that the Lord has said, hey, I want you to pursue this man. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is, is that in accordance with biblical pursuit, you're the exception, which means you better be covered. Like get your, get your leaders, get your mom, get your dad, get your besties, get your resties, get whoever it is in your life to walk with you. Now, here's the deal. If you start pulling away from that and not really telling people the whole truth and kind of like... And they don't really know that I'm there till midnight, all this sort of stuff. That's not from the Lord. You're getting impatient. Okay. So is it ever right? I believe the Lord makes exceptions. I just think at the end of the day, it's it's about self-control. And let's just trust that we're worth it. On this journey of patience, it's about digging your heels even deeper into I am worth it. I am worth the wait. I am worth the chase. I am worth it. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to that a little bit um, from the biological world, okay? So if we talk about the way men are wired and the way women are wired, it is different. Like, it's just different. Wash National Geographic. I mean, like, you can see that the male chases the female down, okay? And, and that's how it is. I mean, our, our bodies are different. They're made to work a certain way. Our impulses are different. They're made to work a certain way. And men naturally are supposed to, not supposed to, men naturally want to chase down everything in sight. Right. That doesn't mean it's right, good, or holy. Right. Yeah. right? We have a sinful nature. It is natural for us to have a sinful part of us, okay? God has a different plan for that drive. Totally. That drive is supposed to pursue one woman for life, okay? Um, so here's the deal. Ladies, if you are putting all your effort into chasing a man down, where's his effort for chasing going? Because he's wired to chase. And if he's not chasing you, you better watch out. That's all I'm saying, okay? You want a man that's going to chase you. You are worth being chased, okay? You are worth being chased. <laughs> (laughs) 
This is stuff that gets me in trouble when I say stuff like this. Sorry. And I love it. Oh, now you know. Now you know why we're interviewing you guys. We didn't want to say this stuff, so we're like, let's get them up here no, and say that. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'm no, 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 kidding. no. But like and I love it. There's that's what I I love about the dynamic because I'm I'm a pretty laid back person, but you know, prior to Lyle and I meeting, I was always pretty direct with my male friends if I felt like, you know, if I was like, hey, is something happening here? I I might be the first to say something because. I'm like, I want to know. So, <clears throat> so my question is this. If you recognize, this is for Michelle, this is going to be helpful for some of you ladies who are in this season of, like, if you recognize that a guy, a man, is pursuing you, how do you respond? One, if you are interested, but two, and maybe sometimes even more important, if you're not interested in them. Yeah, um, I think... <laughs> One of the things we've said, and it's kind of a general thing for marriage or relationship period, is to be clear, um, to have clarity in what you're saying, thinking, and wanting. And that's not to say, you know, like Seth said, he didn't know when he saw me, like, that's the woman I'm going to marry. I've got six months to date. It wasn't that. Like, we went through a relationship and, and got there and chose each other. But it's just even at that, like, be clear. So, ladies... If he's pursuing you and you know that this is something that you want, you're interested in, um, be clear. Yes. I mean, as clear as you can be. I'm not saying, you know, give him five words or less like I did. I was just so nervous. Like, yes, I like you too. But just being as clear as you can, I think it's even, I mean, it's as important, if not more, maybe not, if you're not interested. Like, I've got older sisters that taught me don't leave that window cracked. Don't leave little slivers of hope everywhere by being unclear. I don't know. Maybe next month. Maybe let me check my schedule. Or I just don't. And in the back of your head, you know, this guy just isn't it. I'm not feeling it. Or whatever that is. I Just be clear. It opens and paves the way for honesty. If you're going to build any relationship, let part of that cornerstone with Christ be honesty. You don't want to start a relationship off by being murky in what you say. It's, it's only going to keep coming up in the relationship. And, and even with that, I, I kind of want to jump to a question, if that's okay, um, because I think this is a good segue with it. Um, we're going to dive a little deeper, and that is clarity in appropriate physical boundaries. So when you are dating, what would you guys say is appropriate physical boundaries uh, in the context of a dating relationship? And then does that change when you get engaged? You know, what does that look like? I'll start us off there. <laughs> Send the emails to me. Um, I think, like, just to be clear, just to say that it's said, because culture's shoving a lot of different messages on us about this, and we're like, but my faith, but the Bible, but tradition, but grandpa said that. You know, it's like, hey, let's be clear here. Like, wait till marriage to have sex. Okay? Save that for marriage. Clear. Um, I think some other like very practical, practical boundaries is like, what's it? Pastor Maggie said this. Oh. No hands where bathing suits go. <laughs> like, and that's what, like when we, when we chatted, like something, we, we'll just be like, just, just keep your clothes on. Don't even pretend like you want to take them off. Like, yeah. don't, don't mess with stuff. Don't start like, look, if, if, I, if this makes you uncomfortable, don't do it to somebody else. Like, just. 
Stop pretending like you are stronger than the drive to have sex. You're not. We're supposed to want it. It's not wrong. Sex isn't wrong. Like, boys liking girls aren't wrong. Girls liking boys aren't wrong. Like, we're wired to do that. It's getting very practical about things. And, yeah, I loved that. No hands where bathing suits go. Don't even go near it. Like, y'all, we're, oh. Yeah. (laughs) And another one. Movies. 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 Listen. Movies are not movies anymore when you're dating or engaged. They are an opportunity. Just stop it. Listen. That, that, that's what they call uh, Netflix and chill. That's Netflix and chill. No, I, and I think, too, for engagement, you know, as far as dating, yes, there's very practical boundaries. Like, I know, it can get cheesy, chaperone, be with friends, but listen. The Bible doesn't change. God doesn't change. Some of these boundaries don't need to change just because they sound cheesy and out of date. They're there for a reason. They've worked for some. Now listen, if you mess up, you are no longer in a box that makes you less holy to be blessed on your marriage bed. Okay? Does not. There is redemption. There is, we waited to get married. We have friends that did not. But oh my goodness, the journey to wholeness, the awareness, the repentance to turn and not do it again till you're married, how blessed the marriage bed is. They are no less blessed than we are. Like there is wholeness under Christ. I'm going to keep going. Stop me. So listen, my point is the boundaries are real. You got to have them. Okay. Down to don't turn out the lights. Be around people. Be in community. Um, Seth brings up alcohol. Let him talk on that. Like... But engagement, we believe that the boundaries get a little tighter. They get a little tighter because, I mean, come on, you've upped the ante. You're engaged. You're, then, then the question is, marriage isn't just a slip of paper. It's like, okay, I'm going to commit. I've heard this quite a bit. If I'm going to get married, why can't we just sleep together anyway? You're not asking a question. You're asking for permission. So let's not, it's no longer about sex. Now it's about a heart issue and your understanding and your belief and your value for covenant. Now we need to get down to a biblical teaching of what covenant really means because you're not really asking about sex. There's something about covenant and the longevity under Christ that's a little shaky there. But um, I forgot the question. No. Uh, I think we come back to this thing of clarity. Like we, we were clear. There were things that I was like, hey, can you not do that again? Because that really works. Don't do that again. one that would kick me. I'm so embarrassed. My mom and dad are watching. (laughs) He would have to kick me out. And he would like, oh, we didn't have text or whatever, but he would like maybe sneak down one of his roommates, like get out here. And then I, I, y'all, it's real. Like I knew I was going to wait, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Be clear. You shouldn't have been wearing those short shirts and holy jeans, bro. It has that effect. Too much. Too much. The hobo look. <laughs> One of the things that Lyle and I uh, said when we were dating, like our, we made it very clear at the beginning, which is our intimacy will never exceed our covenant, like our level of commitment to each other. So you don't get, you don't get 
me without that level of commitment and that level of covenant. One, because exactly what you said, I'm worth that. Um, and, and for those of you, I love what Michelle shared. For those of you who have been on a completely different journey than what Seth and Michelle walked, like, this is, this is a great day to have a conversation with Jesus about, about this area of your life. There's no shame. Uh, there's just an invitation to say, God, is there a different way that you want me to do this? Because if so, I want to do it your way. I don't want to just do it my way anymore. It's not really been working for me anyways. So let's, let's do it your way. So I love that. Absolutely. Um, if just in that, in that vein, if, if, if a couple is struggling in their relationship right now with purity, you know, maybe they, they've slipped up, they violated biblical boundaries, heart boundaries, and they're just struggling. They're struggling to have their relationship pure. What advice can you give uh, that couple and how, how can they get free and change things around? Um, I would say, uh, ask for help from someone you're scared to tell. Really? Okay. Because you can tell your roommate, but they're like, oh, dang, and go back to playing Xbox. <laughs> like, get real. Are you going to tell your dad? Are you going to tell your uncle? Are you going to tell your auntie? Are you going to tell your grandma? <laughs> I mean, you need to find that person that you're accountable to, someone that you know will look at you and be like, hey, man, how can I help you not do that again? How can I help you have the purest marriage possible? You need to find that person. That's so good. Very good. That's awesome. Uh, next question is, how do you know it's time to end a romantic relationship? And when it's time to do that, what's the most effective and honoring way to do so? I'm going to come at this from a little bit of a different angle. A couple things here, but I think like we need to stay away from chronic relationshipism like we need to be careful that we're not just in relationships for the sake of being in relationships. Okay? Like, yes, you need to date, you need to find, you get to know people, that's fine. But if we're going on six months, eight months, 12 months, a year, two years, three years, four years, and we're still just dating, it's like, God has a purpose. Now, I don't want to put judgment on anybody because I know different things happen, different circumstances, I get it. But I want to make sure that, like, we have a purpose that... You have a purpose to be in a marriage for most of us, okay? Some of us know, that's okay. But like God has a purpose for you. Pray about what that purpose is. And if you are just dating for the sake of filling a hole in your life, but you're not committed enough to have a, a marriage, you need to probably end those relationships and you need to get with God and get it right. You need to get with God, get with your mentors, get with the people who know you and say, hey, how can I be purposeful and honor God with the way I relate to men or women. Yeah, yeah. Very good. That's so good. It's awesome. You want to, you want to add anything? Well, I, um, yeah, no, it's, that's, we've talked about that. I think there are also signs along the way if it's not like completely dysfunctional or codependent. I think there's also, there's signs. I've, I've talked to people before. I, I remember even talking to my sisters before about relationships before Seth that were just like, but everything's great. They're Christian, like, I'm, there's, there was nothing wrong. Like, it just was something off. It wasn't, and I just remember them walking me through it of like, well, let's think about things. Like, mm -hmm. go, go down values. Start listing out values. Are they yeah, not really yeah, in yeah. alignment? Are those the ones that are kind of making you feel disconnected already? Like, um, and so that's just a good check to start because that's only going to get better for you because when you get engaged and get married, 
you want to be able to go down values together. You want to see where where visions align or disalign, children, no children, church, what kind of church, parents, how did you go through your relationships? Like all those conversations are going to come. So it's a great time to be prepped for that in your relationships now, even in friendships, okay? Your best friend, your roommates, like start looking at how, why are they your best friend? Is it codependent? Is it because they're filling a void that, that you don't have? Like, why do you keep looking for certain type of people? Like, these are all great things to, that are signs for you to start looking at. When's it time to cut these relationships? And I think a really good one is to go down a value check. What are the highest values in your life? Where do you want to live from? What do you want to see? And then look at the relationship and see, is it giving? Is it give and take? Or is it just robbing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one of the first things Allison and I did when we started dating, she was living in Redding, California, and we were driving from Redding all the way to L.A., and my mom, who is a marriage and family therapist, uh, she gave me a list of how many questions? 100, 200 questions? It was probably like... 50 to 100 questions. Okay. And she gave us a document and she was like, you have eight hours in the same car together. You ask each other every single one of these questions. And they were like, you want to have kids? How many kids? It was like just the smallest little things to make sure that we would be on the same page. Uh, you guys mentioned you've been, a ma- you've been married for 11 years now. We actually have a photo of when you first got married. It's not your wedding, but it's when you guys were... A little bit younger. Look at that. I know I joked in the first service. Uh, they have four kids. I said at least uh, one of those kids came as a result of that fedora. Because the rest were just because Michelle is Michelle. Hot. Hot. I love it so much. It's amazing. You guys, you guys have four girls. And their names are? Uh, Olivia Wren just turned nine. Elizabeth Brooke is six and a half. Annalisa Kay will be four in a couple weeks. And Gabriella Calum, I remembered the first service, I forgot her. Um, Gabriella Calum is five months old. It's because she's brand new. It's fine. She's so cute. All she does is just look like she like sleeps like a burrito in the office. On it's so cute. Uh, you mentioned burritos twice during this. I. We're hitting Chipotle after this. I'll tell you right now. This is exactly where we're going. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, so I got to get Chipotle. <clears throat> but uh, how long did you guys wait you started, when you started dating? What was the distance between, okay, we went on our first date, and now we're getting married? What was that distance? Um, it was a total of two years because we dated for a year. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah, we checked that after the first service. We were like, wait, wait, wait. It wasn't a year. It was almost a year and a half. And then our engagement was six months. How long should somebody wait between engaged and getting married? And maybe a follow-up to that is, if you know like you're, you just started a dating relationship, how long should you wait before you propose? That's a great question. I think, and, and this is, just to start out, it, this is subjective. Like, we know couples that have, like, they didn't spend a whole lot of time dating. They, they went through a journey. Like, some of our best friends, their testimony is, Gosh, it's amazing. Y'all pull on the people that have been married here, please. Start pulling on the people that have been married here, especially if they're older. Even if they look older, but you're afraid to offend them, just go to them anyway. Like, 
we have gold in this church of marriages. But anyway, they're, they're like their testimony of they didn't spend a whole lot of time dating, but man, they sought the Lord because they knew they were for each other. And so there's this answer is a little subjective of like your relationship. And so you can date for a couple months and then you get married in like two weeks. I don't know. Like there's all sorts of stories, but I think generally it's just like, I mean, six months is kind of a gold golden age for engagement. Um, you know, you just, you can talk about practicals and logistics. Um, I think that's, that's a good general rule for some. Yeah, I would say that, you know, we know couples who dated for like a couple of weeks and they've been married for 30 years, you know? Um, and I think what's important is like engagement for, for us, engagement is not a 30 day free trial. Okay, like this is why we don't live together before marriage. It's like you're not testing to see if you want to marry that person. Engagement is a commitment. It's just like we're, we're getting there. We're, we haven't put the rings on yet, but yeah, there's a ring here. Like, and I think that's important that commitment is something that uh, is it's important to run through that paradigm because your relationship is going to be based on a choice. Like marriage is a choice. Divorce is a choice, okay? You're not going to be a victim to like, oh, you know, we got married and I didn't know what I was doing. It's like, no, make a choice beforehand to marry and stay married or don't get married, okay? Um, And so the, the, the length of time is, I think, not as important so much as it is your commitment. Like, make sure you're committed. We, like I said, we know people who knew each other a couple weeks, but they were committed and they've stayed committed. Um, don't drag it out too long, though, because you don't want to wait that long. Right. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to wait that long. We got we were we dated for what a year. I think so. We were long distance for some of it. Then we got engaged, and three months later, we got married. So <clears throat> there's that. Kept it quick. <laughs> no reason to belabor. <laughs> Trying to consummate that marriage. <laughs> sorry, my, her parents, my parents are in the are room. I'm so room, sorry. So. That makes so you feel sorry. better. <laughs> Just give the devil no place. You know what I'm saying? Like my uh, my mentor, little side note. My mentor proposed to his wife. They'd been dating for a couple months, and and he proposed to her. He said, he, he's a very biblical guy. He's a missionary now, and he said, Callie, the Bible says that it's better to marry than to burn with lust. So we should marry. <laughs> they got married fast. So a couple of final questions before we finish. Um, you know, obviously you guys have been married for 11 years. And I, I, I think it's an important question. Number one, um, when you fight, how do you resolve a fight? Um, <laughs> cool. um, you know, this is a it's, a, it's a beautiful question for me. I think, you know, Seth and I have talked about this. If you knew us eight years ago, our marriage was very different. It was very different. Um, we got a word about four months into our marriage that our marriage would be used to bless and all the sorts of stuff. And you know, we were married four months and I was just like, I don't know, I'm just trying to get a day, like day to day, you know? <laughs> like we're starting to argue every day. And so here we are 11 years later, you know, words take time. Don't rush them, words take time, okay? Um, but all that to say, um, you know, when I used to argue with Seth, I argued at him. I, I did something that was 
felt so good and felt so right because I felt validated in my anger. Um, I felt validated because I saw wounds. I saw the, I took the counselor hat on and I was like, oh, but honey, that's because of your mom when you were like eight. And then but that was because of your, you know, friendship. And then the girl you chased when you were in high school, like I could, I was good. And I would try to pull it out, but I would, I would attack and I was so angry. And I was just, all of that was just this defense. And I just realized what I was doing was I was creating an atmosphere where we just weren't kind. I didn't know how to be kind. I knew how to be right, but I didn't know how to be kind. And, you know, I, (laughs) I have a mom and, and sisters who I have, I have actually watched them. I'm going to cry. We didn't talk about this first service. I have watched them on their knees pray and say these words, Holy Spirit, help me submit to my husband. I want to be a better wife. And we've lived enough that they're completely different. And I was like, I can take part in that. My best friend just was talking to me about how this is part of a legacy. Is a mar- your marriage is part of a legacy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to own that. The legacy is the women can change. Look, it doesn't mean that I'm not as strong as I used to be. It doesn't mean that that I'm not as aggressive or assertive or the call on my life is any less. It doesn't mean my personality goes away. It just means that at the end of the day, I want to be kind to my husband. I want to be in love with him. I want to be close to him. Like, so, uh, you know, some of the best advice we ever got that I want to give is that we have one enemy already. Don't make your spouse one. Your spouse doesn't need to be another enemy. You're on the same team. Like 90% of the time, we're actually saying the same thing. We just say it so differently. It sounds cliche, but for real. Like the way we tell each other to take out the trash is completely different. And so it's just like, it's resolving to be kind. So the way we resolve arguments, we actually utilize a skill that I learned in counseling school. It's called listener speaker. You let someone talk. You let them finish talking before you say anything at all. Don't interrupt them. Let them finish. And then what you respond with is, hey, what I hear you saying, because what you want to do is you want to position yourself in a way where you can understand them better. Before you assume and be offended and you come at them with what you're offended with. And so it's listener speaker. And I mean, we just had this conversation less than a year ago where he was like, hey, how do we get past this hurdle? We keep coming around the same argument. And I was finally like, I think we need to revisit listener speaker. Like, I think if if we could just let each other finish talking, clarify what we hear from each other to understand and then move forward. Mm -hmm. That's so practical, but it's it's the ball. That's very good. So good. Yeah, I would just re-emphasize that 90% of our arguments, and I think probably most people's arguments, it has nothing to do with disagreeing with each other. Like literally one in 10 times, we actually mean something opposite and we actually disagree. Really, one in 10. Most of the time, it's a shell game. It's like, why are you coming at me? And she's actually trying to be nice. Or like, I'm trying to be nice. And she's like, why are you getting a sarcastic attitude? I'm like, I'm not, I'm actually trying to be nice. (laughs) Like really, you have no idea how like, we are so different from each other. Human beings are so different from each other and you don't see it until you're married. If if Christ and the church is a picture of of marriage and Christ and the church, 
like there's nobody more different from Jesus Christ than the body of Christ. We are not like Jesus. We aren't. Like to our core, we sin, we lie, we're shady, we don't have power. It's just like, and he's the total opposite of that, but he inhabited human flesh because God was like, nope, I want to understand them. I want them to understand me. Boom. And we need to have that level of commitment in an argument like, I don't know what's going on, so I'm going to back up and listen. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, assume yeah. that we're not actually arguing here. And it's, it's true and it's very helpful. Yes. Real quick, I also want to say there is a time to call it. If it is 2 a.m. and you're still arguing or you're still talking, give each other a quick kiss if you can. Maybe you don't want to. But at that point, you're just tired and you're emotional. Right, like that, right. that's real practical. If you haven't eaten, it's too late. Then if you've got kids, like just, there is a time to call it that doesn't have anything to do with how much your spouse loves you. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with the reality that we're not really making sense anymore. Let's just go to bed. Yeah. We wake up, the emotions are put, a, put to bed too, and then we can talk about what's really going on. Super powerful. Well, I know we don't really have much time left, but just last question. How important is the local church to your healthy connection in marriage? Uh, Absolutely critical, okay? If we want to have marriages that honor God, we need to be in God's house, connected with people this way who um, can support us, and connected with people this way so we can support them. Uh, It's important. It's a place where you can give and receive um, really, I mean, it's been key for us from the moment we met to even now we're serving. Um, yeah. yeah. And I will say, like, we've, we've been married, in my mind, we're babies still. We've been married only 11 years. Glory to God. We've got 100 more to go. Yeah. My parents have been married now 40. How old is Cindy? I can't tell you that on camera. I don't know how old my oldest sister is, but however old she is, it's like 46, 47 years, something like that. Um, They've been married for that long. And I just, I just want to encourage those of you who have been married longer than us by even decades, find people, invite them over, go after them, put yourself in the position because what you have, it's like the video where Carl said, people need to see marriages that have endured. We do, we do. And we have a house. I mean, those of you who are married, you have gold to give. Like, and so I just personally want to encourage those of you who are older in our church, come on, it's time, it's time. We want to see you. We need you. And those of you who are younger or not even married, there's just, I just love the way he put it. There's a place for everyone to give and receive. You don't have to have been married. You don't have to have never been divorced. You don't have to been dating. You don't have to be engaged for two months and 36 days. Like that's what three months. Anyway, um, (laughs) I taught third grade. I homeschool my kids. But listen, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is utilize our body here. Yes. Yep. And on one final note on that is um, getting help from the church. Okay. One, one of the things we see and we've been through is um, addictions. Like this is one thing in marriages that, I mean, addictions to pornography, mm-hmm. alcohol, tobacco, whatever it is. Women to their kids. Yeah. yeah. There, there are so many things that can get Pastor in the way Maggie. and disrupt your marriage. Yeah. You know, like I said in the first service, that if, if you have a problem, if you have something really going on in your life that's getting you anxious, mm-hmm. you're either going to go this way to God, this way to your spouse, or you're going to grab some addictions. Right. 
And, um, you know, I, a lot of people, you're not the only one struggling with it. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's that's right. tons of people. Um, one book I recommend is Every Man's Battle. Um, that's great for people struggling with um, pornography addiction. Um, and find freedom, man. It feels good when you find freedom. Yes, yes. A few uh, book recommendations real quick. Number one, uh, Every Man's Battle. Seth mentioned that one. Uh, if you're in a dating um Preparing for Marriage Season, a book I read uh, in the process of pursuing Allison was a book by Sean Bowles that's called The Non-Religious Guide to Dating and Marriage. It's really good. Uh, and then a marriage book called Sacred Marriage, which is in a, it's a grow group book, and it's a phenomenal book. The premise is uh, marriage is not there to make you happy. Marriage is there to make you holy. So... And I know some people are like, I hate that. I don't like that. It's, you're going to get happy too in marriage, I promise you. But there is a greater uh, calling upon the union and the covenant than just being happy temporarily. So, um, Seth and Michelle, I just want to say thank you tremendously for pouring into our church and letting us have this conversation with you today. Um, we love you so much. So grateful for you guys. So grateful for you guys. If you guys don't mind to stand, we're just going to pray and uh, finish our service today. How many of you are excited that you came to God's house this morning? I know you got a lot out of it. Um, amazing day in the kingdom. Uh, we always, every time we come together as a community, we want to create space for uh, response. So if you guys don't mind, just for a moment, I just want to ask you, please, just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to pray over you. Obviously, you know, we've discussed a lot in regards to relationships over this past month. And today we talked about some of the most difficult, challenging, heartbreaking aspects to our relational lives, uh, which is romantic relationships. And I, I just want to uh, just in a moment, just pray over any of you that might be brokenhearted, that may feel that you are no longer fit uh, to be married, or that you're unworthy of dating or having a romantic connection with someone. I want to pray over that, as well as just if there's anyone in here that has been struggling with addictions in regards to sexual addictions, uh, pornography, things that are keeping you uh, isolated and just ridden with guilt and shame and unable to come up for air and talk to anybody about it. I want to pray into that as well. But first and foremost, um, each and every Sunday, we create space for people to be saved uh, through grace and faith in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, I just want to create an opportunity with everyone's eyes closed and everyone's head bowed. If that's you, would you just lift your hands, lift a hand just courageously? Uh, we're going to pray. Uh, for you right now. Awesome. See you. See you. Great. Anyone else? Um, we just want to create this space and time right now. You can come home. You can come home to love. You can come home to salvation. And then if you're here today as well, and you just need to honestly rededicate your life to God, you've been living far from God and in sin. Today is your day to have a homecoming. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quick? I just want to give you an opportunity to come home in Jesus name. Awesome. I don't see any hands raised for dedications, but I saw a couple folks lift their hand to be saved today. We just rejoice in that, don't we, church? We celebrate that today. We thank you, God, that just even in the midst of having a conversation on marriage and relationships, the Holy Spirit's moving and working on our hearts. So could we pray with them together as a church family, please? We pray, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I turn towards you today. 
By faith, I receive your sacrifice, your blood and your body for my redemption. Make me whole. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Purify me today. I belong to you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we also just thank you, God, for the healing touch of the Holy Spirit. That right now, anybody who has felt rejected or abandoned or feels that love relationship, a romantic relationship is no longer for them. He is not called the great physician for no reason. Lord, we pray right now that you would begin to minister to hearts all throughout the room. Lord, that you would go deep in the places that we have hidden and that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be vulnerable with God for a moment so that he can rush in like a flood and bring wholeness to the places that you have been ashamed to show anybody. If you were neglected as a child, abused as a child, sexually uh, abused as a child, you know, we just pray that the, the Holy Spirit would just begin to begin to minister to those memories. He'd begin to minister, minister to those moments in which um, things took place that had nothing to do with God and everything to do with Satan's attack on who you are, your identity and your purpose. Uh, the Lord Jesus redeems you and can heal you. Lord, we just pray over each and every person that um, maybe a breakup or a divorce has just really wounded their spirit and they have felt lost and they have just felt like they are unable to recover. The Lord Jesus just brings healing into your heart right now. We just speak healing over you uh, right now. Every single person, every person struggling with purity, Lord, every person struggling with addiction or pornography, Lord, we pray right now for healing in Jesus' name. Um, I know this might be a little intense, but just for a moment as your pastor, I just declare over you, I bind every spirit of affliction. I bind every spirit of addiction. I bind every spirit of torment. Uh, I bind every spirit of shame in Jesus' name. Uh, we command you to go by the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. You have no authority on the children of God. And Jesus, you said that whatever we bind uh, here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose here on earth will be loose in heaven. And we just loose a Holy Spirit of purity. We, re we release and loose the childlike faith uh, that the Lord calls you to walk, walk in. The blood of Jesus has purified you, uh, soul, uh, mind, uh, spirit, and body, that you are made whole. Salvation is not just for the spirit. Salvation is for the soul, for the mind, for the body. You are made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. So yeah, every demon of torment, get out of here in Jesus' name. Go back to hell where you belong. We just thank you, God, that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Um, and I just want to pray that, that empowerment and that emboldenment into your spirit today, that if you are struggling, you are wrestling, to put your foot down in the spirit and say, no more. Today, enough is enough. Today, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit with holy boldness to say, enough is enough. It's over. I'm moving into my future. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.